Hi, Donna. So glad you made it. Bring joy in my heart, girl. Got a lot to say, so I'm going to need water. In fact, there's no way that I can do all of this or what I had planned. So what we're going to do is we're going to rely on the Lord. We're going to go till he says stop. And when he says stop, we're going to stop. Because he is king. And he is Lord. And he's the one we follow. And so that's, that's just the way it is. And uh, this Resurrection Sunday that we come to celebrate is, there's an excitement in the air. There's an excitement that there was a disappointment, and then all of a sudden there was an excitement. The disappointment was hard. It was really hard. The very thing that you, if you had hoped for, if the thing that you had given your life to, the very thing that you saw uh, that He is the Messiah and you believed that He was the Messiah, then all of a sudden that Messiah is going to die. I'm a little ahead of myself, but you need to realize state of mind that these people were in. They were with Jesus and they believed. Just much like He wants for us. We are to be with Jesus and believe. Believe Him. Believe what He says. Believe what He did. Believe in our future which is, has hope in it. We are to believe. Ilion's saying, praise God. I'm going to start with Thursday. Last week I had gone... Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, I thought you were... Last week I had preached what happened between... Sunday and Wednesday, and I talked a little bit about the Last Supper. There is no way that we can exhaust what happened in the last week of Jesus. It was packed full of events, of lessons, of things that God was saying to to his people, preparing them for what was about to happen. And even then, even then, he takes a little bit of time to talk about us. He says, I pray for myself, I pray for my disciples, and I pray for those who are going to believe. Everybody raise your hand. 
and say, that's me. That's me. I believe in what God says. So here we are at the Last Supper, and Jesus institutes the Lord's Prayer. But before that, I'm sorry, the Lord's Supper, but before that, there was a custom. And that custom was to wash your guest's feet. That custom was you've been on a hard journey, your, your feet, however many miles you have walked. So they always had like a basin of water and towel right there at the door. And it was the custom for the host to wash the guest's feet. And especially if that guest was one of honor. So we're going to show you by washing your feet that you are a man of honor or person of honor. And so Luke 22, starting with verse 14. And when the hour was come, he sat down and the twelve apostles with him. And he said unto them with desire, I have desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I say unto you, I will not any more eat thereof until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And he took the cup and he gave thanks and said, Take this and divide it amongst yourself. For I say unto you, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God shall come. And he took the bread and he gave thanks and he broke it. And gave unto them, saying, This is my body which is given for you. This do in remembrance of me. Likewise, also the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood which is shed for you. But behold, the hand of him that betrays me is with me on the table. And truly, the Son of Man goes as it were determined. But woe unto that man by whom he is betrayed. And they began to inquire among themselves which of them it was that should do this thing. So, uh, Elijah, would you come up here? Would you hand these out, please? to recognize what Jesus was doing at this very time, we're going to do the same thing. We're going to memorialize this. The Last Supper. I always considered that the Last Supper was the time that Jesus was with the disciples, and and it it meant that uh, the Last Supper he was to have with his children with his disciples. But then he also, this last supper was the last supper he had before he went to the cross. And as he, as he brings all of this to the accumulation, remember, he is talking about 
what is going to happen. Thank you, guys. Appreciate it. But he's not talking that this is the final one. Or all through the New Testament, when it talks about communion, he's talking about, look, you drink this in remembrance of me. This was symbolic. Can you turn up the volume? I don't know what you're saying. Oh, oh, take one upstairs. Can someone take one upstairs for him? Take the first cellophane off to get to the bread. And you take the second tab. And the word says, and he took the cup and he gave thanks. Take this and divide it amongst yourselves. For I say unto you, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took the bread and gave thanks and break it and gave unto them this, gave to them saying, This is my body which is given for you. This do in remembrance of me. Likewise also the cup after supper saying, This cup is a new testament in my blood which is shed for you. You take the broken bread. I'm going to eat it. And he took the cup. For not only do we share in his life, but he continues to ask us to share in his broken body. It is one of the institutions, it is one of the mainstays of our Christianity. If we do not recognize the body that was broken for us, we are just a club. We could be the Elks Club. We could be the Boy Scouts. We could be anything that does good service. It is the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ that separates us from any other religion, any other thing that would say to you, take this and live by these rules. No, I will live by what Jesus did on the cross because I take communion. Communion is actually coming close, having koinonia together, heart to heart with God. This is a special thing that 
marks our Christianity. All of this happened Thursday night while Jesus was doing, looking forward to, not looking forward to in the sense of, yay, but looking forward to what was about to happen. While he gave and broke bread, after the after this happened, then came the Garden of Gethsemane. Mark 14, 32-36. And he came to a place which was named Gethsemane, and he saith to his disciples, Sit ye here while I shall pray. And he taketh him, Peter, James, and John, and began to sore amazed and be very heavy. And said unto them, My soul is exceeding sorrowful unto death. Tarry ye here and watch. And he went forward a little and he fell on the ground and he prayed that if it were possible, the hour might pass from him. And he said, Abba, Father, all things are possible unto thee. Take away this cup from me. Nevertheless, nevertheless, this is a a, a word that we as servants of God must learn. Nevertheless. When we go through in Christ and we pray for something and it doesn't happen, we have to be able to say, nevertheless, God. Nevertheless, not what I will but what thou will. Do we say that? In our grumbling and complaining, can come to a stop in a second when we say, nevertheless, God, I am yours. You are mine. Jesus, and we had talked about this last week, about He went to pray. He came back, they were asleep. He went to pray again, came back, and they were asleep. He went to pray again, and on the third time, he says, get up, it's time. Got to go. They're ready. They're ready for me. He was betrayed and arrested. He was tried by Annas, then Caiaphas, and then other religious leaders. Jesus was humiliated, degraded, and made into a laughingstock just before he experienced the worst pain imaginable on the cross. But I think what was worse is the separation from God. He was separated from his Father. Why? Because of our sin, not his, but because of ours. And then Friday comes. Jesus was already in custody. Jesus had already felt the pain of beatings and being spit upon and judged. And people, they were making fun of Him. The Son of God. Listen to this. The Son of God was being made fun of. We can't take it. And we're not the Messiah. 
We are not all that we think we are. But this was who He says He was. The Son of God. And He took no honor from the Romans, from His fellow Jews, and even at this time, from His disciples. The ones who had been with Him day and night. And He was beaten. Beaten beyond recognition. Beaten when you couldn't even tell who he was. His face was swollen. He had, remember, this was Passover meal. And he was full. And so, when this happened, Jesus walked approximately two and a half miles. He hadn't slept. And now he's being mocked and beaten. Pilate, ten times, ten times during this ordeal, Pilate tried to say, I, I, let me tell you what, let me just beat him and then you take him. No! Crucify him. Well, you know, I don't see a crime here. He's one of your own. How can you be... How can you be saying to crucify this man who is yours? Crucify him was ringing in his ears from his brothers. Crucify him from those who he came to save. Crucify him. Have no mercy on this man. Why? Because he said who he said he was. I am the Son of God. He's asked during one of the trials, do you say you're the Son of God? He goes, you say that I am. What you just said, he repeats back to them. He left no question as to who he said he was. How do we know that? He proved it the whole three years before. When John the Baptist said, I'm about to get my head cut off, go and ask Jesus if He really is the Messiah. And Jesus just doesn't say yes. He says, tell him that the blind see." And that the lame walk. Tell them of the miracles that you have witnessed. That's the Messiah. And he comes to this place where the Roman soldiers took a crown to mock him. Was his crown just great? Usually crowns are a mark of uh, someone of majestic means. <laughs> a crown is like we give to the queen and the king a crown that says everybody should bow to them. But this crown happened to be a crown of thorns. Now, 
they weren't like rosebush thorns. They were mesquite thorns. They were long. They were huge. And as they wove it into their crown, they put it on Jesus' head. And he had been beaten with a cat of nine tails. At the end of each of the strand of nine whips to one handle, they tied pieces of bone to the ends. And when they struck him, it would tear his flesh off of his back. People who did this got so good at it is they could disembowel a person. They could take that and then wrap it around their bodies where it would rip out their abdomen and they would be disemboweled. But they didn't want to do that to Jesus. They wanted Him to suffer. They wanted Him to feel the excruciating pain of this execution. Not only did they whip Him, they were still making fun of Him. They were still beating Him. They were still continuing to humiliate Him. And they took that crown of thorns and even as He was sitting on His head, they would beat Him about the head and face and His body digging further into his scalp, digging further into what was, what was happening in his body. And then they took a purple robe, still making fun of him. And they took that purple robe and they put it on his back. Yes, King of the Jews! Look at him! He says he can save. If he's so great, let him save himself. Now as he had that purple robe on his back, what would happen was that his blood would clot against the very thing that was on there. And then they came and they ripped up the robe so that he would start bleeding all over again. He, in the physical condition that he was in, he lost so much blood. So even while he was bleeding, and the volume of blood that he had shed, his body was saying, You need to replenish this volume of liquid that's in your... And so he was thirsty. All of that was happening on the outside, and yet it caused things to happen on the inside. He was thirsty. He's trying to replenish, wanting to replenish the things that were being done to him. They gave him the patella bellum. The patella bellum is the 
cross, the beam that goes across, that's what he was nailed to. And that's what they gave him to carry. Would have weighed between 80 to 100 pounds. He's weak. Blood loss. His heart is pounding. Pounding hard because his body is trying to make up for all the blood loss. And he's going, this heart was just trying to keep up with the injuries that he had. And so they gave him this patatellum bellum and he had to take it to his own place of execution. He couldn't do it. He couldn't do it. He fell and then Simon the Cyrene picked it up for him and he carried it. They put the cross on the ground and then they threw him. That's what the word says. They threw him on the ground. And as they threw him on the ground, dirt and rocks and were being attached to his body because of the blood. But then he was picked up and then thrown on top of the cross. And the nails that they used were like eight to nine inches. And they put it in his wrist because if they put it in his hands, it would have ripped apart. But they were good at what they did. And so they put it in his wrist on each side. Now, I want to read to you Psalms 22. Verse 14 through 24. I am poured out like water, and all my bones are not of joint, and my heart is like wax. It is melted in the midst of my bowels. My strength is dried up like a pot sheared, and my tongue cleaveth to my jaws. And thou hast brought me into the dust of death. For dogs have compassed me, And the assembly of the wicked have enclosed me. They pierced my hands and my feet. I may tell all my bones. They look and they stare upon me. They part my garments among them and cast lots upon my vesture. But be not far from me, O Lord. All my strength has thee to help me. Deliver my soul from the sword, my darling, from the power of the dog. Save me from the lion's mouth, for thou hast heard me from the horns of the unicorns. I will declare thy name unto my brethren. In the midst of the congregation will I praise thee. Yea, that fear the Lord, praise him. All ye the seed of Jacob, glorify him and fear him, all ye the seed of Israel. For he hath not despised 
nor abhorred the affliction of the afflicted. Neither hath he hid his face from him, but when he cried unto him, he heard. It says that his bones were out of joint. And so when they stretched him out on the cross, they dislocated his elbow and his shoulders. For his span was probably seven to ten inches longer because his bones were disconnected. He couldn't. And they put him on the cross. And can you imagine when they take that cross from the ground to put it in a hole and drop it? And he, the pain that he must have felt at that very moment. (sighs) Then they nailed his feet through the tops and had his knees flexed at approximately 90 degrees. And the weight of him on the cross is putting pressure on the nails on his feet. So he felt everything. To be able to breathe in this position that he was on the cross, his lungs were actually empty of air, he was slumped which means the breath went out of him. So to catch a breath, he would have to pull himself up on the nails that were in his wrist and to be able to catch a breath. Jesus said seven things while he was on the cross. Seven things. We, as a people, like to avoid pain. We get a splinter. Oh, no, Mom. But he actually had to cause more pain on his body to be able to speak the things that he needed to say. Every time he had to grab a breath so that what he could say what he needed to say. So he took and he would lift up. Please come in. He would take as much strength as he had and pull himself up so that he could catch a breath. I can't imagine. I wouldn't have probably said one thing. But he says seven things while he's on the cross. The thieves that were crucified along beside him, they were saying, Oh, you know, if you're the king, save us from this. One of the ones that was on the cross with him said, Who do you think you're talking to? 
He is the Messiah. He is the one. And so, he was crucified around 9 a.m. that morning. And he died approximately at 3 p.m. That's how long he stayed on the cross. But it was Friday and Sabbath was going to be on Saturday. And so they had, uh, Jesus' relatives and friends had said, can, can we go get the body? And they said, well, what needs to be done is we need to make sure he's dead. And they needed to make sure that the other thieves were dead too because it was becoming the Sabbath and they had certain rituals that they couldn't cross during that time. And so they broke the legs of one of the thieves and then they broke the legs of the other thief. And the reason it would hasten the death process because no, they could no longer lift themselves up to be able to breathe. So they, they died of asphyxiation. Jesus, there are many number of things he could actually have died of. He could have died of asphyxiation, but he could have also have died from a heart attack. That there was no blood to pump. And his heart just given out. But with Jesus, instead of breaking his legs because of the prophecy that was spoken, all of his bones will be intact. They thrust him with a spear. And you know, that thrusting with the spear, it wasn't a scratch. It wasn't like, hey, let's, let's see. They reached his lungs and his heart when they pierced him. And the water that had gathered around his heart mixed with the blood that was also all over him. And they, they noticed blood and water. And determined Jesus had died. Jesus had given up, and he had even said, Unto you, Father, do I commit my spirit. It was slow, it was agonizing, and yet. Jesus says, the word of God says, he considered this suffering unto the very glory that he was going to have. He was willing to go to the cross because of the glory that was set before him. Wow. He had to know. It was an encouragement. God was with him. And he says, Matthew 27, 45 through 56, Now from the sixth hour there was darkness all over the land unto the ninth hour. And about the ninth hour Jesus cried with a loud voice, saying, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani. I think I said that right. 
That is to say, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Some of them stood there when they heard that and said, this man called for Elias. And straightway one of them ran and took a sponge and filled it with vinegar and put it on a reed and gave him to drink. And the rest said, let it let be. Let us see whether Elias will come and save him. Any sense of comfort, even though I, vinegar, <laughs> they gave him vinegar to drink. And they said, wait, 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 wait. Don't, don't give him anything. Don't give anything that prolongs his life because Elijah may actually come. We want to see. We want to see. Jesus, when he cried again with a loud voice, yielded up the ghost. And behold, the veil of the temple was rent in twain from the top to the bottom, and the earth did quake and the rocks rent. And the graves were opened, and many bodies of the saints which slept arose. There wasn't just one resurrection that was going to happen. There were many resurrections that happened. The graveyards, they opened up. And there were people that were raised. They were, they were Christians. They had believed in Christ. And God raised them up in the middle of the crucifixion of His Son. And those people came out of the grave and they started walking around town. And many saw them. Isn't that wild? That's not something we really talk about because of the enormity of the very place of the story in the story. These people were walking around and they had been resurrected from the dead. Believing. When they believed in Christ, they were believing that Jesus was the Messiah, and that in their belief, what? They would also be resurrected. Now when the centurion and they that were with him, watching Jesus, saw the earthquake and those things that were done, they feared greatly, saying, Truly, this was the Son of God. And when Jesus died, can you imagine? Graves are opening up. Earthquakes were happening. And they're looking at Jesus. What did we just do? Oh, my. What did we just do? Surely, this man is the Son of God. A lot of people acknowledging then, huh? Does it take an earthquake for us to acknowledge? Does it? Sometimes it does for me. Sometimes God has to say, hey boy, wake up. I'm here, I'm talking to you. 
But when I truly am in the presence of God, there's nothing I wouldn't do. Nothing. What does he call us to do? Surely this is the Son of God. And many women were there beholding afar off, which followed Jesus from Galilee, ministering unto him, among which was Mary Magdalene, and Mary the mother of James and John, and the mother of, Ze- and the mother of Zebedee's children. Well, can you imagine all of this happening? Disciples are in hiding. I'm sure they were having a few conversations. Did you know this was going to end this way? They're still thinking end. Did you know this was going to end this way? Did you know that when we dropped our nets or we stopped making tents, did you know that the very one we're going to follow and put everything down he was going to die at the hands of, the very, of our very enemies. The Jews hated the Romans. But it was the Jews that put them to death. They asked for Barabbas and crucified Jesus. Saturday. What a bleak day. What a very, very bleak day. Because they were lost. They were lost without Jesus. But Jesus was in the tomb. And the the Pharisees said, Now, I want to tell you about this guy. They're talking to the Romans. He says he's going to be resurrected on the third day. So let's, let's do this so that no one will come and steal Jesus' body so that they don't put a hoax on us. They don't trick us. We're going to put a guard. We're going to put a big rock. We're going we're to seal that tomb so that no one enters it and steals the body of Jesus. And so, Saturday, the Roman guards were put at watch. But now we get to Sunday. We get to Sunday. We get to the place, think in your own mind, all of the ordeal that I just described. He's wrapped. I mean, wrapped from head to toe in linen in a borrowed grave. And all of a sudden, he's free. Resurrected from the dead. The power of God being manifest in what they tried to do to Jesus. And he says, no, you don't, because death cannot hold him. And let me tell you what, death can't hold you either. 
We have eternal life, and that means even though this body may decay, I will always have an eternal life in my spirit. And you, having declared Jesus as Lord and as Savior, that you have an eternal, an eternal life with God. That means from now on. That is a thing to celebrate, people. That is a thing to remember. In your darkest days here on earth are nothing compared to the glory that you're going to receive. Let it be. Let it be. In crane as it is in heaven. Let it be in you as it is in heaven now. Let it be. Sunday. They go and they want to take and prepare Jesus' body, but the body wasn't there. And they cry. What have you done with Jesus' body? Where, where did it go? What did you do? You see, they, still, they were still in the mindset that this was the end. This is, it's over. No more. We don't know what we're going to do with, with the rest of our lives. We're going to go back to throwing nets. We're going to go back to tent making. We're going to go back to whatever occupation they had because what? Their hope had died. Still in the mindset that this was the end. But it wasn't. But it wasn't. He was resurrected. Romans chapter 6, verses 13 to 14. Excuse me, verses 3 to 14. Know ye not that so many of us were baptized into Jesus Christ, into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death? We were baptized into his death. Arthur, when I came out of the water, I was still alive. So how does that work? I'm about to tell you. Therefore, we are buried with him by baptism into death, that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in the newness of life. Was there a newness of life in Jesus? Yes, there was. He was walking through doors. When Thomas says, I don't, I've got to see the nails in his hands before I'm going to believe. I want to see the proof. And Jesus walks through a wall or through a door. And he says, here you go, Thomas. Here it is. I don't know that I'd be any, any other way than Thomas was. If I had my hope dashed like they had their hope dashed, would I also be looking for the Nail holes? Probably. That's just me. I'm sure all of y'all would be believers. 
But I would need to say, hey, let's look at this. Because let me tell you, I saw him being beat. I saw what they did to him. I saw him on the cross. I saw him. And you're telling me, you're telling me that he's alive? Whoa. For if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall be also in the likeness of his resurrection. Do you know the enormity of that one scripture? The enormity of what he's saying. If I have been in the, with Christ in his death through baptism, then I will also be with Him in the resurrection because His promise is real. His promise is new. His promise is going to get me to the next level. What is the next level? Living the life of Christ that is within me. He said, I will live with you. Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, and that the body of sin might be destroyed. Glory, hallelujah. Let our bodies be destroyed from sin. That henceforth we should not serve sin. For he that is dead is freed from sin. If I am dead in my soul unto the things of this world, I will live unto Christ. That's a huge concept, folks. That you should die to yourself. You should take up your cross. And you should follow Him. And that means that you should die. You should die. That when I'm at the grocery store and some... Little old lady is driving her plane, and I get irritated because she's not fast enough. I need to die of my own selfish ways. When I want to honk the horn because someone is cutting me off or something is happening, I need to die. When things look better in sin than they do in the righteousness of God's life. I need to die. And I need to love what God loves and I need to hate what God hates. I cannot incorporate and take in the things of this world and be double-minded. I need to die. And let me tell you, I have been baptized. I have gone through the watery grave. But that's not where it ends. I need to die daily. I need to die daily from myself. That daily from my selfish wants and what I think I need. I die daily. We all must. We all must die daily. Now, if we be dead with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with Him. Knowing that Christ, being raised from the dead, dieth no more. Death hath no more 
dominion over him. For in that he died, he died unto sin once, but that in that he liveth, he liveth unto God. Likewise, likewise, reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Let us not sin, therefore reign in your body. Let, let not sin, therefore reign in your body. Turn to Psalm 52. I'm sorry, Isaiah 52. He he recounts the death of God, or the death of Jesus. Sorry, I was in the wrong. 53. Here it is. Verse 7. How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him who bring good news, who proclaims peace, who brings glad tidings of good things, who proclaims salvation, who says to Zion, your God reign. That is the meaning of salvation. That is the meaning that when we have accepted him, I no longer reign. Our God reigns. He is supposed to take dominion over everything that I touch. He is supposed to take dominion over our marriage. He's supposed to take dominion over our house. He is supposed to take dominion over this family of God. And He is supposed to take dominion over this. And as He takes dominion over this, what? He orders my steps. He leads me beside the still waters. He leads me into the green pastures. He tells me I am saved. And I live from a place of victory and not defeat. I have lived and know that my God has lived and I live from a place of victory. So when things oppose me, when things are at my worst, when What? God has already conquered it. In this world you will have trouble. But take heart. I have overcome the world. I have overcome the world. He didn't say I. He didn't say me. He didn't say Arthur overcame the world. He said he had overcome the world. And I live in him. And so therefore I have what he says I have. I will do what He says I will do. And He will give me the strength to do that very thing. He stole the grave. He 
stole death. He stole that from Satan. And he said, not today, not today, not today. I will be resurrected and given power to do God's bidding. You also live in that very place. Why? Because Christ lives in you. Christ lives in you. Don't let anybody tell you different. There are naysayers in this world. There are those that say, oh, you ain't that. And you say, you know, you're right. I ain't that. But God is. God is. God can. But not only God can God, but God will. For those who have faith and believe, do you believe? Do you believe? That's the invitation. The invitation is to believe. I've asked several people, if you were to die tonight, would you go to heaven? Some of them say, I don't know. Some of them say yes. Some of them say no. I don't know. I really don't know. But whatever they say, I ask them, if you were to go to heaven, and they, you were right there at the gate when you were saying, I'm here. And they look and they say, why should I let you into my heaven? And there's all kinds of reasons. Well, I've been a good person. Well, I, uh, one time I prayed. I pray. And that means, no, it doesn't mean you're a Christian. Many people pray for many reasons. Some not the right ones. When it comes down to it, the right answer is always and only because I believe Jesus Christ is my Lord and Savior and His blood covers my sins. And when Jesus looks at me, if I, in the filth that I have, He sees me white as snow. So I tell you, look through the eyes of Jesus. And see what he, who he is, how he does, and what he wants for you. What he wants for you. Let's not deny him. Let's not deny Jesus the prize that he died for. He died for it. He, he bled for it. This is his church. He says what goes and what doesn't. Raven, I don't mind getting in trouble for this. But I want to say to you, the Lord has you. The Lord keeps you. The Lord will uh, give you powers and comfort and mercy 
all the days of your life. But in times that you are seeking, He will show up. He says, as I draw close to you, as you draw close to Him, He will draw close to you. And He will say, My daughter, my daughter, I love you so much. And in that, you may rest. You may rest. Wow. Rest in God. Let's pray over Elian, if you don't mind. Bring him up here. There's a way to evangelize, and this is one. <laughs> we went and had a Christian. <laughs> Father, in the name of Jesus, I just come and I bless this child. We dedicate him unto the ways of God. We dedicate him unto God's hand and his mercy. And we pray that, Father, all the days of his life, he will have tender mercies and loving kindness at every step that he takes. I thank you, Father, that he is going to live a life of health, a life where you look after him in every way, fashion, and form. And so, Father, we pray right now that as mom and dad continue to live unto Christ, they will see the mercies of God and they will raise this child as if he were yours and not theirs. Thank you, Father, for who you are. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, Arthur. Amazing descriptive message today. Uh, always, always important to remember. Uh, I was struck in the middle of the story uh, that uh, at Gethsemane, when Jesus said it's time, that was the last moment he had as a man to avoid what was going to happen. Because once they took hold of him, took him into custody, the rest was out of his control as a man. But he was never, ever out of control as God. He still had every instant, he still had the choice as God to end the suffering. And he chose in every instant to not do that for our sake. Can you just say, thank you, Lord. Thank you for choosing us. It was so good to assemble with you today and to celebrate this remembrance. It's so good to get to pray over Elion. Is it Elion or Elion? Elion, okay. Just want to make sure I get it right. So good to see him finally. It was a long time getting home, wasn't it? Thankful for God sustaining you guys through all that. All right.
Anything else before we go today? Yes, ma'am. Hey, Donna. you two and told you I wasn't going to come mad get the, mad about people um, <laughs> things that are happening you know Jeremiah uh, twice a month whatever we have to go but this time it's kind of a life death thing he has to go have his pump refilled and that's what keeps him going yesterday we were going to go and do Easter shopping because you know it's kind of our tradition on Easter you dress up when you come to church so on our way, we were going, and I just felt the van wobble. And y'all, it was in right same spot hmm. where Ashley hmm. and the boys got ran over. Hmm. I pulled over. There was only two lug nuts on the back wheel. Oh my goodness. And we had just had those tires replaced at Firestone. Hmm. And I guess they didn't put them on. And I had drove home been around town, everything, and didn't know. And I just pulled over, and I looked, and my oldest one said, Grandma, this is right. I said, I know. So I just made one call to Fernando, and he came. But before Fernando even got there, y'all, it was about six people stopped, six people. God is so amazing, and they did everything in their power to get us safely back home. And then I immediately start thinking, okay, tomorrow, Monday, therapy. Tuesday, Dallas, pump refill. What are we going to do? No lift, no nothing. Nothing. Maya's in a electric wheelchair. So how are we going to do this? I don't know. My 16-year-old said, Grandma, let's go old school. I said, what do you mean? He said, let's get this manual wheelchair out, load him up in the Explorer, and that's how we do it. I said, but yeah, his legs, they'll swell. Grandma, we can pull the seat all the way. He just started thinking where I couldn't think because I was so frustrated. The devil had moved in and had me thinking, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? So we figured all that, and then I th- I, we went and got it. I said, son, how do we put this thing together? <laughs> you too, Grandma. <laughs> <laughs> so he... He's, he's at home trying to YouTube and get it all together. I left him. And I got mad. I had promised Jeremiah we was going to church. And when you tell him something, it sticks. It don't, it's, it's, it's what he's expecting. So I got real mad. I got real mad. And I just started cooking. And then I said, well, Maya, we're not going to be able to go. Well, Grandma, you go. Deal. So I left. And here I am. Amen. I just want to say, y'all, thank y'all for being constant prayers for me and my crew, and I appreciate it. And with all that hurt that I just explained to y'all, I do have one piece of joy. Jeremiah and Donovan's going to have a house built down there at 300 North Beulah, oh, wow. right where we were raised at. And I had nothing to do with it. It was straight up God. We found out next week when they're going to break ground and when they're going to do what they need to do. But it's going to be totally equipped for everything that Jeremiah needs, everything that he they think he might need. And Donovan also. They did not leave him out in this plan. And I just want to say, y'all, continue to pray for us. And I know 
my brothers and my nieces call me that old crying old mama. But anyway, you know what? If you don't shed tears, you know, I know what my Bible says. So I shed them, and I just want to say thank y'all. And thank you to the community. I couldn't even remember. I don't even know half of those people who stopped to help. But I just wanted to say thank you and tell them thank you if they're listening. Barbie Bennett, I know you're listening because I was on live before I got in here. I love you, girl. She came by out of the blue just to share love with me. So God bless y'all and y'all. Thank y'all. And please continue to play from Mamaya Baya and Donovan. You know, it, it's it's a day-to-day struggle, but they, they, they go. And I don't know a person on this earth as strong as Jeremiah Martinez and never wakes up with a frown, always smiling, never mad, only when you don't give me anything to eat. <laughs> but just pray for us, please. Yes, and we'll do that. God's showing himself big to you, Donna. That's what he does. Thankful for that. Thankful for that news, that amazing news about the house. Hadn't heard that. God is really good. Well, y'all, enjoy your family. Uh, enjoy the rest of this uh, celebration day. And uh, be blessed this week. We'll see you next time we gather.